Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmer and I'm joined today by Tom Cavilla and Kiefer McDonald to talk all things Reds. Tom, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. And Kiefer, seeing you again. How are you? Yeah, I'm a bit of a regular now, aren't I? Can, which yeah. is uh, always a good time putting in our work here. But yeah, a lot of racking up those uh, podcast appearances in, in recent weeks. Yeah, if we're a three-man midfield, we're like, um, I suppose, what, what does that make me? I was going to say the, the Fabinho and the Henderson, but we're, that would mean we're leaving. But uh, we're, we're, the, we're the regulars, aren't we? And then Tom is You can be, be canteen, I'll be drink water. You can just yeah, be a little bit of a What does that make, Tom? <laughs> Tom can be the Riyad Mahrez, just drop him in for the yeah, big occasions. Oh, nice. Why have you gone for Leicester 2016? Yeah. <laughs> the prize package. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. Seems quite left field. Well, uh, Liverpool reaction yesterday. They they drew 4-4. Another four goals scored for Liverpool, but another four conceded against Greta Firth in Germany. Um, it was the last game of their pre-season training camp in Germany before they fly out to Singapore to play Leicester and Bayern Munich. Um, Kiefer, we'll start with you. Um I mean, there's just plenty to talk about from the game. Um, we'll start, I think, with Luis Diaz, who was probably the one forward who didn't impress in the previous game against Karlsruhe, but then went and scored a really lovely goal and, and looked sort of on his game um, in the first half there yesterday. Um, impressed by him. and I mean, plenty to be excited about in those four forwards, isn't there, going into the season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've touched on it a number of times this summer that how how big a season it is for so many of them. Obviously, you've got Diaz, who is is looking for his first full campaign at Liverpool. Obviously, joined halfway through last last year, and then obviously the the season just gone. Um, you know, he's spent about seven months on the sidelines, and even though he did come back for the last you know ten or so games, I think everyone knew that it was more of a fitness thing and more of a tick box tick box tick boxing exercise ahead of like preseason and just getting you know some minutes in the tank and and to be fair as you say he didn't score the other he was the only forward not to score last week wasn't he but he looked really yeah. sharp yesterday and it was a really well taken goal it was kind of the explosive Diaz that we saw you know when he first arrived at Anfield and he was so you know um, such an important cog in that kind of quadruple chase towards the end of the season I thought it was quite telling I actually wrote something about it yesterday a, a celebration um, and, and kind of it looked like he, he let off a you know, quite a lot of frustration and he kind of like screamed and he and punched the air, which, yeah. you know, there's not, not too much to be taken from that. But I thought, you know, if you are maybe getting the microscope out, it was maybe the frustrations that he's endured over the, you know, since last October and maybe now looking to kind of really kickstart and cement that, that left-sided position on, on Liverpool's, uh, you know, forward three. You'll be certainly up against, you know, Darwin Nunes and, and maybe Diogo Jossard. It obviously depends what happens with Cody Gakpo, but 
in terms of a second run out of pre-season and looking ahead of that Chelsea game now in, in two and a half weeks, I thought it was a really bright showing from Diaz. Tom, there was obviously that bit of tentative talk um, from Saudi Arabia that, that of interest in, in Luis Diaz. And last season, obviously, with the injury and, and just a poor season all round for Liverpool. Um, I mean, there were one or two Liverpool fans that were almost thinking that Liverpool should sell him. Do you, do you think people have forgotten just how good he is on his day? And do you think it'll be almost a breakout campaign for him in the season to come? Yeah, I think obviously with him being out injured for so long, that's that's not really helped. I think similar similar sort of thing happened with Jota as well, where you know he missed a large chunk of last season, and people were sort of suggesting, oh, that you know they'd be happy to cash in on him this summer if the right offer came in. And I think you know when that sort of thing happens, when you don't see that player for a long time, you probably forget how good they are. I think a lot of people. Not Liverpool fans, maybe, but other fans did the same sort of thing with Van Dijk, you know, being out for that long period of time. And then since he's come back, you know, people have a lot of questions about him. I think when he first came back to the team, people were sort of saying, oh, should he even be starting in Liverpool's team now he's coming back from this injury? And I don't know, it's a bit of a funny one with injury. People seem to, to be like that about players, even though it's not their fault they're injured. And it's not like you become a bad player instantly just because of an injury. So, um, yeah, I think he had a really good first season at Liverpool and hopefully we'll see the best of him this year. I, I imagine he would be starting for Liverpool. I, I would like to see him play, you know, most games, really, you, you'd imagine. And, um, yeah, I think it's a big season coming up for him. He's going to have a big part to play. Keeper, I mentioned four front players, but it's slightly unfair. Maybe I should maybe say five because... Um, Diego Jota played and missed a bit of a sitter but did look sharp but the other person in the front three Ben Doak I mean I just love watching him play football he, he's so direct positive he's a bit of a throwback in the way that he plays uh, I mean a bit of talk about loans perhaps earlier this summer but do you think it, do you think it's one where he stays put and gets a bit of football now I mean he's certainly doing his best to force his way in isn't he yeah absolutely yeah. as you say Joe he's, he's a, such a throwback he always reminds you of you know, obviously before my time, but when you see old clips of kind of Wayne Rooney at Everton and he's, you know, a kid before in a man. your time, Wayne Rooney at Everton. Uh, two, 2003, we're talking there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, when you see clips of him and he's, you know, a kid in a man's body, isn't he? And he's just, you know, a bulldog really, he's fearless. And, and that's kind of the way I look at Doak. He's, you know, I said something, I tweeted something yesterday and said, you know, he plays every game, whether it be the under-18s, the 21s, the 19s in Europe or the first team, every game is played with the same, you know, level of, confidence and, and directness and you know sometimes when when these young lads come up to the first team not that there's anything wrong with it but sometimes you know the first pass is backwards and then it's looking to build on that and maybe you know element of, of walking before you can run and, and that's absolutely fine and, and that's you know served players well in the past but you know dope just comes and he's what he's, he's only 17 and he just in the in the nicest possible way he shows nobody any respect does he i mean there was that there was that um you know various clips have been taken on fullbacks you know probably double his age um, but then there was a really good clip last week in, in the Karlsruhe friendly where, you know, the ball was kind of formed between him and Matip and he basically just ushered Matip out of the way and was like, you know, this is this is my area, this is my ball, like, you know, I'm going to do what I want. Um, but I certainly think it's an interesting dilemma for Liverpool because, you know, I think if you look at him and Bobby Clark, you know, I know Bobby Clark's slightly older, but you know, it feels like he's slightly further um don't sorry he's further down the line in his development and if you're looking at the two of them you, you obviously say alone would be better for Clark but you know you look with Liverpool now in the Europa League and, and certainly those games at Anfield where you, you know you've got to remember Liverpool are uh, first seed as well so you know hopefully they'll get a favourable group 
in those games at Anfield where you know you are going to get a lot of the ball and you know it's it's going to be a rotated side. You think they'll be perfect for him, and there's going to be you know three of those at home before Christmas, and then you know if they if they do get into the last sixteen or, or the last day two, you know there'll be another couple of games, and and you know then if you you tie that in with the um, the League Cup and then the FA Cup after Christmas, he's he's looking at ten or twelve senior games, and and that wouldn't be a bad thing if he finishes a season with you know fifteen games for the Liverpool first team. He's training with Diaz and, and Salah and Gakpo and all these fantastic forwards every day. Um, I, I, it's, it's certainly difficult. I always remember kind of the the, the Harvey Elliott conundrum a few years ago, um, and it was very similar in terms of you know does he benefit staying with the first team for a year and kind of having that first hand education, or, or does he go and you know almost earn his badges in in the Championship, but I think it will depend what offers come in and you know what what kind of team does come in for Liverpool. I think a lot of people forget, but these youngsters will be be living in digs at the time. So is it a local team? Is it a Blackburn? Is it a Preston? Is it a you know a Burnley or someone who come in for them? I think Elliot when he went to Blackburn went on deadline day or very close to deadline day. So that just shows how quickly the picture can change. Um, but you know you you look at teams like Preston. Um, you know Liverpool do have a, a good relationship with them. Obviously, Seth Vandenberg did eighteen months there. Um, Calvin Ramsey's gone there. Leighton Stewart's just signed there on a permanent, and obviously Ryan Lowe used to play for Liverpool. So, you know, you look at all those factors, and you think, you know, whatever whatever does happen, there is, you know, there's there's positives and negatives to, to both. I think, um, a, like I say, a year away we're doing well, but I don't think anyone will be complaining if they're watching Ben Doak line up in the Europa League or the League Cup. It just kind of shows the the kind of strength that Liverpool can now boast in in attack. If you know, you think of years gone by when it was. You know, certainly horses for courses in midfield, but in attack every week it was, you know, Firmino, Mane and Salah. But now Liverpool have got five forwards. And I bet if you said to us now, Joe, name your your your, your first choice front three, I bet we'd all have different answers and combinations. So that just kind of shows that the level that Liverpool are at, at the moment. That's it. I mean, with Ben Doak, you know, I do think it's that that dilemma for Liverpool, whether he goes out and plays almost every game for a championship club, like, like Harvey Elliott did a couple of years back. And that seems to serve him quite well, but... It, I'd be tempted to keep him, like you say. I think play him in those Europa League games, play him in the in the League Cup early rounds, at least play him in the FA Cup early rounds, and get him get him on for twenty minutes here and there, half an hour here and there, and in, in, in home games. And I just think there's no better place for him to grow than alongside, you know, four absolutely world class attacking players at Liverpool. And I, I don't want to see a player like that. They need to keep their youth, don't they, in terms of the way that you know, like you say, he's fearless and doesn't doesn't seem to worry about you know where, where his first pass goes he picks the ball up he's going to got one thing in mind and that's to, to cause havoc at the end of the pitch so um i really like the way he plays i hope liverpool can harness that a little bit this season and i'd like to see him stick around tom where do you stand on it is it, you know i guess loans are quite difficult to 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 organize and to make work but would you loan him would you keep him would you play him what, what would you do tom the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I think, you know, you're talking about Elliot there now. I think uh, a lot of people forget how young he actually was when he went on loan to Blackburn. I think um, I think he was only 16 at the time. Um, yeah. I think so, yeah. It was 17 at, at the oldest, but I'm pretty sure he was 16 at the time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so if Liverpool, you know, Ben Doke still very young as well. So I just think if you're sending him still like the championship, there is that risk, you know, you're coming up against very physical players in that league, same, obviously, further down you go, League One, League Two, you know, he's not going to be going that low in the pyramid, but even in the championship, you get that as well, that very physical league, very demanding. Probably would struggle a little bit with that 
you know, there's a chance you're going to get a lot of tackles going in as well. So there's always that risk of an injury as well. But he seems like the sort of player that would take that in his stride, that kind of challenge to go out and loan. And if Harvey Elliott was able to do it at that age, you know, you'd think he may be able to as well. I think you don't really get, you know, someone like that who can go out so young. It's only a sort of certain type of player that has to be, you know, of a particular level, um, you know, too good for academy. I don't think there's many players you get that are like that. Obviously, Harvey Elliott was one of them. Curtis Jones is probably another one where, you know, Liverpool quickly realised he was too good to be playing in the younger categories. He obviously just came up to the first team and didn't need the loan. But I guess it's different for every player, really. It depends how how far along Liverpool think they are in terms of development. I think the ones that tend to go on loan are the ones Liverpool think, you know, probably need that experience of, you know, being in that difficult environment that they're going to be coming up against in the Premier League. So I would probably keep him for this season, only because I think Liverpool may need him at certain points. He's a useful player to have in the cup, cup games. You know, Liverpool lost a lot of players that were useful for that, like Origi, Minamino, Chamberlain, Milner, those kind of players you can just throw into those kind of games. So, yeah, although he's young, I think he would be fine in Carabao Cup, FA Cup, early round games, and you know, maybe even plays later on in those competitions if Liverpool were to get there. Yeah, I suppose Kay Gordon did that, didn't he, a couple of years yeah. back when he um, played in the semi-final, of course, against Arsenal. Um We'll, we'll talk midfield in a second the game yesterday, but before we move on, um, some, some breaking news. Uh, David Ornstein reporting Liverpool's opening bid of 37 million for Romeo Lavi has been rejected. Um, I was going to, I think it works now to talk about that now because I was going to talk about Trent as the number six um, Gakpo in midfield. Um, but before we do so, I mean, Southampton seems to be holding out for 50 million. Obviously, we know Southampton from experience don't tend to um, compromise. On figures, but um, I mean, Liverpool must be convinced, mustn't they, Kiefer, that this guy is is, is the right one? I mean, I, I can't say that I watched a great deal of Lavia last season. Um, obviously, the, the highlight we did see was um, him setting up uh, Diogo Jota for the easiest tap in you'll ever see um, on the final day of the season. But I mean, Liverpool will have done their homework. They must be pretty confident if they're bidding upwards of, of 37 million um, for somebody. In, if that's an opening offer, you would expect them to go higher. Um, Kivi, they must be pretty confident aren't they, that this guy is the, the man to take their midfield forward. Do you still think they'll need experience in there, depending on what happens with Fabinho? Yeah, if we're assuming that Fabinho's deal gets signed and kind of concluded, you know, in the weekdays and whatever ahead, I think they need to. I think it's, I think me, you, and Sean said it on the pod uh, late last week that his sample size is so small. I think it's only 29 Premier League games and. You know, you, you come. Yes, it was for Southampton, and and obviously you started a lot of those games. But you know, if you can kind of compare the the attitudes towards him, and then you know Stefan Besetic, who's played you know half of those games, it does not there's not a great deal in it. I think Besetic has played a, you know seventeen or eighteen for the first team, and obviously some of those have been Champions League appearances too. So it feels like because he's not at Liverpool. I mean, if he was at Liverpool and he played twenty nine games, I don't think anyone will be you know looking to put him to the fore and and say you know he can solve our midfield problems. But I suppose it's because he's as is the case with a lot of things in football, because, you know, Liverpool don't own him, fans want him, if that makes sense. It's the same kind of treatment that I think Curtis Jones has, has had because he isn't Liverpool. Because he is Liverpool, he's not as exciting. But I do like Lavia from from what I have seen. I'm kind of in the same camp as usual. I can't say I've seen a great deal of him, but, 
you know, obviously the, the kind of the reels and the highlights and, and, you know, the stats that you do look into it. He, he seems like a good player, progressive with the ball as well, can pass off both feet. Um, I, I don't think he's as, as much of a driver as, as, say, a Declan Rice, who, you know, looks to get into the box is, is maybe like a, a number eight and a number six almost. But he's certainly someone who, you know, if you look at his kind of pedigree in, in terms of learning his trade at Anderlecht and then going to Manchester City and, uh, there was a really good piece in The Athletic a few weeks ago that basically detailed his journey and kind of how high Guardiola thought of him. I think company had him for his, uh, I think, while he was making his, his kind of later developments in Anderlecht, I think that was on the company's watch. And I think there was a bit of communication there between company and Guardiola as to how good this lad was. Um, I mean, the fact that City have, you know, inserted a buyback clause of, of 40 million, I think, you know, tells you everything you need to know about what they thought. Um, so yeah, I think he, he would be a, a, a good signing. I, I don't think he'd be enough on his own, um, and I don't think it'd be fair to, to throw a nineteen-year-old lad on his own because you know it's not as if Liverpool are, are working with a functioning midfield. That that midfield that takes the Stamford Bridge on the opening day, whatever it is, is going to be a whole new combination. Whether it be McAllister, Sabozlai, Trent, you know, McAllister, Sabozlai, Fabinho, you know, if you've got three new players in there, that's that's you, you know you're asking for. You know, uh, an instant reaction, which isn't always the case. I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago that when Fabinho came, it took him a couple of months to kind of settle in and, and kind of get into his groove at Liverpool. Um, but if they are to, you know, get him and, you know, compliment him with, I don't know, someone of like Kimmich's calibre or you know, even an Amrabat who's a bit further in his development, I think 25, 26, I think that would, would be would be a smart signing and, and one for long term. And, and, and ultimately, if, you know, Fabinho's move doesn't go through, um, I don't think that would be the absolute worst case, you know, uh, scenario yes he'd never get that 40 million pound on on the table again you'd, you'd think he, I think he'd only have two years left on his deal come next summer but if you could maybe do a change in another guard with Fabinho and Lavia over the next 12 months as they have done with you know Gakpo and Firmino and further back with Diaz and Mane I don't think that would be kind of the worst apprenticeship for, for Lavia to have during his first 12 months as a Liverpool player but you know time will tell as you say Joe Southampton are pretty stern um, always in their valuations aren't they and but if the fact that Liverpool put 37 million on the table, I'd be surprised if 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 that was their absolute limit. It's you know it's a game of cat and mouse here, isn't it? So um, yeah, that that's probably uh, it. Probably feels like a fair offer that, but Southampton will obviously be holding out for more as they look to rebuild under their new manager too. So you know, we we'll wait to see if there is a compromise in, in the days ahead. I think Tom, it might be one that we see Liverpool a offer a lot of add-ons to get that towards the the 50 million figure, and you think with a lad who's 19, 20 years of age, that, that Adam's realistic ones would make sense. And B, Liverpool are also maybe testing the walls to see how far the player wants to push it. Because obviously, I think Lavier is clear that he doesn't want to play in the Championship. But Tom, it feels like one that if you sign Lavier and you have him alongside Fabinho learning his trade, like Keith has just said, it, it kind of would be the sort of perfect scenario for Liverpool. But there's a feeling, isn't there, at Liverpool that, that Fabinho will still make this move to to Saudi Arabia, despite a, um, a bit of a delay, um, if you like, on the deal that, that isn't to do with French Bulldogs. Yeah, we've just had a piece go up before, you know, on the situation. You know, we understand that Liverpool do expect deals still to happen, um, despite, you know, a breakdown in talks at the moment. There's a bit of um, an issue relating to that at the minute. Two clubs still in discussions and, you know, like you said, Liverpool expecting it still to happen. Um, you know, the fact that um, Fabinho's agent, George Mendes, has good links with Liverpool, you know, that could be another factor as well. Um, Al Itiad manager Nuno, obviously formerly of Wolves, also shares the same agent. So there's a lot of, you know, factors in this deal that suggest it's likely to, to happen. There's likely to be an agreement found at some stage. 
Um, it, and even if there isn't, like you said, you know, Liverpool would just have to adapt to that. But I think it seems more likely at this point that he is going to leave Liverpool. And to be honest, I think that probably suit Liverpool more in the long run if they're able to get that money, which they can reinvest straight away. You know, we don't often see Liverpool spending a load of money all at once if they haven't had sales at the same time as well. So if they are to reinvest, you know, the money from Fabinho, that would ideally go on then on Lavia straight away and potentially then, you know, using a bit of the Henderson money on another player. So like you said, I think it's likely still to go through at this point and you'd probably accept it if you're Liverpool, to be honest. Well, I think Liverpool clearly, I think, want the deal to go through, I guess, because... They must be realistic and knowing that they're not going to get anywhere near 40 million ton for a player who is 29. Um, and, and they probably know it's an offer they won't get again, don't they? Yeah, like Kiefer said, it's it's probably something that's not going to come up again further down the line, the same value anyway. So, you know, if you're Liverpool, you, you're going to cash in on that when you get it this summer. So you can understand why, you know, that's an offer they're, you know, attracted to and want to accept. So it, it comes down to, you know, negotiations between the player and the other club and whether that happens or not but um, yeah I think from Liverpool's point of view it makes sense to sell him The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Well, um, Moving on to the midfield that did play against Greta Firth Kiva um, Trent back in the sixth role um, <clears throat> and then you have McAllister and then they put, tried Cody Gakpo there for a second time I mean We'll start, I suppose, with Trent. It's now looking more and more likely, isn't it, that, that he will play there at Chelsea. Um, what have you made of him in those two two games? Well, I wouldn't even say it's not a full game, is it? It's in 90 minutes, 190 minutes um, over the two games so far. Um, are you confident going into Chelsea that he's the right man in that role? It's so difficult to assess, I think, pre-season as a, as a whole is. Um, but never mind, uh, you know, the, the kind of level of opposition Liverpool have, have come up against so far and you know, two Bundesliga sides. I know they're, they've both been further ahead in their preparations, so they obviously haven't made as many changes as Liverpool and certainly haven't um, blooded as many youngsters as Liverpool have. But it's, it's it's so difficult because, you know, when Liverpool do play these teams, they dominate the ball. And I think we all know what Trent can do with the ball. That's That's been his biggest strength for the past five, six years in the Liverpool first team. It's, I think it's more positionally and, and out of possession that you're certainly looking at, at Trent and, and trying to maybe learn some lessons there. I don't think we necessarily got that yesterday and especially the goals Liverpool conceded. Um, obviously, he was off the pitch for, for all of them, wasn't he? But even the other the other day against Karlsruhe, the, the two goals were absolute screamers, weren't they? I don't think there was much that could have been done done there. So it wasn't like you're you know, picking you know, flaws in his game or, or his position. Um, I wrote something earlier this week about that and there was quite a lot of people saying, oh God, I'd have no, Trent nowhere near the six at Chelsea. But I think the reality of it is, is that Liverpool are running out of time and there's you know two and a half weeks until Chelsea. Um, obviously, they, they fly out to, to Singapore on Thursday. They, they play Bayern Munich on Saturday and then Leicester, I think, the following Tuesday. So they've got, and then they've got the, the game at Preston, haven't they, the, the week after that. So they've got three games left. And I think Klopp said yesterday, didn't he, that it was going to be the last game where Liverpool would do 2-11. You know, so you'd imagine it would be 60-70 and then, you know, a 90 maybe against Leicester and or, or in that game at Preston. Um, and, you know, the chances are, yes, they've had this opening bid for Lavia, literally just, you know, rejected now. But the chances of him being involved in, in Singapore in any capacity, even if Liverpool were to agree a deal later this week, is pretty slim, you'd, you'd say. 
Um, so then all of a sudden you're looking at a, a friendly against Darmstadt, you know, a week on Monday, six days before you go to Stamford Bridge is, is potentially your first outing with Lavia as a best case scenario. And I just think it's such a tight turnaround. And I, I always think back to when Thiago signed and they played Chelsea. I know that was the second or third game of the season and he didn't even, he wasn't even dropped and he came on at half time. But I think that was only because Chelsea were down to 10 men and the game kind of lent itself to kind of his introduction and to maybe break the lines a bit more. So as, as much as people won't see it as, as, a, as a long-term option and certainly a viable one going ahead if Liverpool are to kind of compete on all fronts, I think it is literally a case of you're looking at it now that they are running out of options. Um, Besetic and, and Thiago still haven't returned to team training, which, you know, hopefully that can happen in the coming days and certainly they can get some minutes under their belts in, in Singapore. But I'm, I'm looking at it now and thinking I, I don't see how else it plays out because it gets to that point where you, you're checking names off a list and you think, well, Trent's played two games there. He's played with Alexis, he's played with Dominic Zabozla, he's played with, you know, whoever else in midfield, whether that be Gakpo. He, he surely is the, the most suited. He knows the... The kind of if, if they are going to do this inverted role, he knows the requirements of the other players are grounded off the cover. I just think it, it makes sense. And I'm not I'm not saying that as if you know Trent's going to be Liverpool's you know long serving number six, but I just think as as kind of um a process of elimination of who it isn't going to be, I think it will probably end up with, with Trent starting there. Yeah, I mean Tom, Cody Gapo, um is another player who plays midfield. I, I mean, I can't praise Cody Gapo highly enough. I mean, I, I just think he's he's an incredible footballer so far at Liverpool. I've been just blown away by how well he's he sort of replicated that Firmino role. And I must admit, this is a guy who came in his first few games. I didn't, I couldn't quite tell what he was, and maybe that's weird because Firmino was very similar, wasn't he? Albeit under a different manager, but but then dropping into midfield, and again, as Keith has just mentioned, the sample size isn't just very small. It's also against opposition, which is you know. In inverted commas week plus it's in pre-season so it's difficult to tell but I mean just some of his touches on the ball the, the way he uses it the way he sort of turns and gets Liverpool on the front foot he's such a clever player would you have any qualms about putting him in there especially if you're going into Chelsea with a fairly new midfield or would you would you be more minded to throw in more natural or again in inverted commas natural players in midfield no I'd be more than happy for Gapo to play to be honest I think like you said, he was really impressive last season at Liverpool and, you know, there was a lot of questions about him. Like you said, when he came in, he struggled to get that goal for the first few games and people were kind of looking at him thinking, you know, where where are the goals going to come from? He looks quite low on confidence. First few games, the touch wasn't quite there. A few shots he did have were either off target or just straight at the keeper, seemed to remember. Um but yeah, since then, t- towards the end of last season, he really um, adapted to the role, looked great in the team. And I think he should be starting next season for Liverpool as you know, one of the players in the starting eleven for most games. You've obviously got the problem now of who plays where and, you know, does he play up front on the wing or in midfield? And that's something Klopp's going to have to uh, figure out. But I would I'd be happy for him to play in midfield. I think he can he'd be able to do just fine there. Obviously, he'd probably prefer himself to be further up the pitch, just in terms of scoring goals and, you know, linking up with the forwards, which he showed he was able to do. But I think, you know, if you're someone like Gakpo, you probably, you know, for your, for your own sake, if you want to play games, would just accept that this might be his best way into the team. You know, some players often have to adapt, you know, to a different position just to get first team minutes. So, Maybe that's something he's going to have to do this season. Then further down the line, there may be the chance to go uh, as part of the front three. But uh, yeah, I think he would be 
good addition in the midfield. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think with with, with Liverpool and, and Klopp, he likes players, doesn't he? That that the play that are adaptable, but can play into different positions. And, and Gakpo clearly is one of those. You know, he can play across the front line, and the way he's dropped into midfield is really impressive. I suppose the only worry going into Chelsea is how attacking that midfield could be. But I think ultimately, you know, maybe this isn't quite the right phrase, but beggars can't be choosers, and if Liverpool don't have a lot to to choose from, and at Chelsea, maybe you just have to go on the front foot. Maybe try and catch them early under a new manager, perhaps not settled. Try and try and outscore them a little bit more. So it's it's going to be interesting. I think um, I was really impressed with Gakpo anyway yesterday. It was only a, a small sample size. Before we discuss maybe the second half, I wouldn't say worries. I don't want to say worries, but second half mistakes. Um, do you both think that there's a bit too much put on friendlies? I, you know, I know. Social media isn't probably the best place to follow a game, but you know I had the game on one screen yesterday and on Twitter on the other, and you see people going, you know, that's six goals conceded in two games and six goals against lower league German opposition, and and you know nothing's changed. Liverpool's backline, this, that, and the other, and you're sitting there thinking like Liverpool played with three goalkeepers yesterday um, at different times. They made I think they had 25 players on the pitch all told. They made loads and loads of changes they played with people that would probably won't get very near the first team this season i mean it's all about fitness at this stage of the season and it's all all right you know it's i do think there's i do think that you you've got to put some emphasis on friendlies because i think if you go into the season having lost every friendly match or making making big mistakes i think you can carry that in and i think you're better off carrying momentum into the season but at the same time you know a few good touches for players some good goals and fitness is more important, isn't it, Kiefer, surely, than, than than worrying about every goal conceded? What, what, what do you think? Do you think? Do you think? Just in the social media age, people get a bit excited about preseason. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it depends how you look at it, doesn't it? Is your glass half full or half empty? And I think with Twitter, I could probably tell you the answer to that. But um, I think it'll be the friendlies. You know, this next batch of friendlies in in kind of Singapore, where maybe you are a bit more critical. As I say, there'll be less rotation. I think. You know, it was 15 subs they had on yesterday, wasn't it? Which is an absurd amount, but it just goes to show what the, the kind of primary aim was yesterday was to, to kind of continue to get minutes into the legs. And, you know, for the likes of Jones and Elliot, who who maybe hadn't part been part of the camp for large parts, it was to, to kind of get their first minutes of, of the new season. Um, I think also another caveat to that is, you know, they have been doing three sessions a day. So, you know, the the effect of that is... is uh, you know, your performance is, is going to be nowhere as good and a lot of players are going to be tired and you, you might pick up slight injuries here and there with Sabozai, et cetera. So I kind of split it in and I look at the the kind of the training camp in Germany. I think that's where Klopp goes hard, lays a foundation and, and does the, the kind of the base work. And then it will be these kind of games against Bayern Munich and Leicester, more respectable opposition um, where we might maybe see Liverpool um, maybe flex them up a bit more kind of thing, I think. Um, I remember last year, City, I think they only played like, I mean, they never play a lot of friendlies on the pep, it feels like, but I think they lost like to Barcelona and a few other sides and the people saying, oh, and then they go on and win the treble. So it just kind of shows, you know, the, the, what the manager said yesterday after the game was that the camp had been brilliant and not much more could have, you know, gone for them. Um, it was in an area that he'd known, obviously he'd been there with Dortmund before. Um, and I think he likes to kind of get away from the media, doesn't he? Um, and just kind of have his own time with the players and, as I say, kind of three sessions a day. So, you know, certainly Klopp's not complaining or, or putting any excuses up, like maybe was the case last year when they went straight to Asia. So I think, like as I say, that the next kind of 10 days of Liverpool summer, if you want to call it that, will be 
a bit more telling and a bit more revealing as we, we see lengthier spells in the team, you know, 60, 70 minute cameos and maybe more of the shape taking place and, and patterns and all that kind of stuff. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I, mean, I suppose Darwin Nunes to me, Tom, sums it all up um, because, quite, you know, you look at last season, there was the, the game against United where he was getting slagged off left, right and centre and people were writing him off after one game and opposition fans were having a, a good laugh at his expense and then was it against Palace, he scored four goals and, and suddenly he was the best thing that was ever going to hit the Premier League and, and the truth lay somewhere in between. We, we saw the, the, the good and the bad and the ugly of him last season, didn't we? Um, but he... Forged a pretty good partnership with Mo Salah yesterday. Um, obviously, they've um, you know they both scored now in the first couple of games. He scored in in a couple of them and and, and just looks sharp, looks good playing through the middle. Um, and those two linked up really well. Is that is that a partnership that could could really factor into success for Liverpool this season? Hopefully, yeah. Um, just going back to the the point about pre season as well, though, I think. You're talking about expectations of pre-season. I think you know when Liverpool lost. Was it the the Bangkok Century Cup to United last year? Oh, after, that's still hurts. After the 4-0, 4-0 loss to Man United, and then United, you know, all the United fans said they're back. This is it. And then they lost two-one to Brighton and four-nil to Brentford in the first two games. So uh, I don't think you can ever really read too much into friendly games, even though you know you you always want to win them, but. I don't think they, you know, they don't give you much of a, you know, a, an idea of what's to come, really. So I, I think people will just get a bit carried away in terms of what it means going forward. I don't, I don't think the players probably take it that seriously themselves in terms of, you know, you can't replicate a, an actual match in terms of preparing for a preseason game. So, yeah, I think it's nothing to worry about. And going back to Nunez, I think. Yeah, Liverpool fans will be hoping to see a bit more from him this season. You know, we saw glimpses of what he could do last year, but it just didn't quite happen over a prolonged period where he was consistent, you know, and, and a real threat at all times. We saw, you know, periods where he wasn't in the team, Klopp opting for different players over him, which was, you know, seemed a bit strange considering the price they paid for him. This season, it's going to be not make or break, but he needs to kind of establish himself fully in the team. Otherwise, then questions probably will be asked of him long term in terms of what, you know, where does he fit in Liverpool and was it the right decision to sign him? I think it's still too early to be asking those questions of him yet. But if he was to have another season where he doesn't quite, you know, 20 goals, 25 goals, that would be a good sort of point to get to. If he's not able to do that, then I think people are probably within the rights to start sort of asking, you know, well, why did Liverpool sign him? And there's always going to be that comparison with Haaland. We, we had that last year and he's not going to be able to get to that level. But if he can get somewhere close to that, then uh, I'm sure Klopp will be happy. Yeah, I, th- I think the indicator for Dunez is whether he can even get in the side. You know, and, and that, might <laughs> yeah. sound, that might sound drastic, might it? But, you, you know, you, we've talked about the, the four or five forwards Liverpool have got and they're so talented that... When everyone's fit, you know, just getting in the side for him will be a fight. And I and I do wonder whether Klopp fully trusts him to do the things going the other way that, that perhaps Gakpo does, that Salah, you know, I mean, Salah will get in the team, whatever, won't he? And, and then Diaz on the other side perhaps offers you a bit more balance. So I think it'd be really interesting. And, and whether 
we go into the season seeing Salah and, and Nunes as the um, the right attacker and the, and the central attacker, I think will be a big indicator of, of what Klopp's seen in, in pre-season. Um, because if those two can link up the way they have done the first couple of games, it's pretty much scary for um, opposition defences, but scary for Liverpool perhaps is the performance of, of Adrian um, Kiefer. I mean, you know what? I, I lift the curtain a little bit for listeners. He, he caused a bit of a debate among... Um, among writers in our group um, yesterday when we were watching the game. And I, I'm happy to, to say where I stand on it. I won't name other names, but I certainly look at Adrian and look at realistic enough to know that ultimately it's not make or break Liverpool, whether they keep Adrian or or let him let him go. Um, but I did find it quite interesting this year that they, they let him, well, they, they gave him a new contract. Obviously, there's the homegrown thing. A lot of other clubs seem to go for, you know, United have got Tom Heaton, uh, City have got Scott Carson. They go for the, the homegrown third-choice goalkeeper, a more experienced option who is kind of happy to be a part of things, which Adrian is, but he's not homegrown. Um, but watching him throw the ball out um, to, um, was it um, James O'Connell yesterday that he, he threw the ball out to? Put him on, put the young lad under a lot of pressure and they obviously conceded a, a really stupid goal. Um, I mean... <sighs> I'll go back to the Atletico game a few years back. <laughs> Maybe I haven't forgiven Adrian for that game, but you know it's one of them, isn't it? He must be Kiefer. He must be the absolute best person behind the scenes because, um, and we know Klopp likes personalities, but it does it does boggle my mind. I won't I won't lie. Yeah, probably in the same camp as you there, Joe. That Atletico Madrid game keeps me up certain nights of the week. Uh, I must mm. say, even you know three and a half years on, but. I think you know there has been such an upheaval in terms of personnel personnel at Liverpool this this summer. You know, James Milner's gone, Oxley Chambers gone, Firmino's gone. And not to keep banging that drum, but you know, you got you gotta factor that in and, and with you know Fabinho and, and Henderson, two kind of vital cogs also looking like they're you know edging towards the exit. I think it you can kind of maybe join the dots up and see why Klopp has come to that decision. Um, you know, he's it's it's maybe at a time where Liverpool have got young goalkeepers coming through. They've also got Peter Luger who who played the the kind of last half, the last quarter, sorry, of the second half. Um, and then you've you've also got Harvey Davis, who's who's quite you know well liked, and he's just gone to crew as any on a, on a season long loan. So I think there's maybe a fact here that Liverpool see a guy who they brought in a few years ago after see after Mignolet had gone, and they they like what they've done. He doesn't rock the boat at all. He's he's a leader. He, you know, Spanish speaking. You know, they they have a strong Spanish contingent there. As you say, Joe, he must be doing some God's work behind the scenes, which that's the kind of only way we can judge it because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't play. I think he only played the Community Shield last year, didn't he? That was the only game he played all season. So, you know, certainly not much to, to kind of judge his performances off. But in the in the years ahead, you know, as you say, Harvey Davis, you know, looking for a crack. It depends what happens with Keller as well. If he goes, all of a sudden, Liverpool then do need to go out into the market and buy another goalkeeper, and or potentially, you know, promote one in house that isn't Adrian. Um, as I said, they've got Pitaluga too. So it, it does maybe feel like they are looking at a stopgap solution um, for the meantime. And then, I mean, was that, I presume that contract was a year extension and, and then maybe they'll assess it next year in, in terms of how the, the other young lads have kind of fared in, in their development and, and how they've got on. But certainly I wouldn't be reading too much into it. And, you know, if Liverpool do get to a stage in the season where, you know, Adrian is starting Premier League games, then I think an awful lot has gone wrong and, and maybe something that Liverpool can't have necessarily planned for. So... As, as much as yesterday was frustrating, I, I, I don't really buy too much into it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I mean, Tom, finishing off with a discussion around another player who's 
perhaps are the again I don't want to you know you don't want to make a big deal of a friendly because it is just a friendly and they are the, a very changed Liverpool team around them but John Matip didn't put in the best of performances did look quite rusty did look slightly I don't know um undercooked maybe going into the new season do you, do you think centre-back and, and you know with all the talk about midfield Henderson Fabinho uh, now Lavier you know all that that chat and all that focus has taken Liverpool away from centre-back a bit obviously we know that Colwell was a target but you wouldn't be surprised if they don't end up getting anyone in defence this year now maybe because they concentrate on other areas but do you think that would be a mistake because you've got someone like Matip who's, who's their choice who you know, is, is, is starting to go on the wane a little bit. And I don't mean that based on one friendly, but I think in general, you know, you're seeing him start to, to age a little bit and perhaps you would want someone younger coming in and challenging for his place. Do you think that could be a mistake that Liverpool are about to make going into the season? Uh, I guess we'll find out in a few months if uh, Matip plays. Get off the fence. And, off the fence. <laughs> I, I quite like Matip. I think he's a solid player. Um I, I think he's fine. I think next season, if you go in with him as an option, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think usually when he's played for Liverpool, he's he's done a good job and can't really think of many games really with him where he's had a bad game or, you know, a moment that really stands out as, you know, terrible error in a big moment. Like, like you said with Adrian, you can think of two or three. Um, with Matip, I can't really think of many at all that he's you know been at fault for or I don't think sorry to interrupt I don't think Andrew uh, Matip's the type of player that you can think of many big mistakes but I can think of him being part of some bad performances quite often I feel like he's not he's not one that you see him drop a clanger but he's one that you see him sort of retreat into himself a little bit as Liverpool play badly that's fair. yeah maybe yeah but I think one of his best seasons was wasn't even not that long ago the 21-22 season, that was probably his well, best season for Liverpool, mainly because he was able to stay fit. My only problem with him is the fitness aspect. I think that's just the only sort of bad thing with Matip is the availability and not you know being able to use him for much of the season. I think that's the only downside to him, um, which could make you want to go and sign a new player just because you don't know if you're going to be able to rely on him, a bit like Cater in midfield. So, if Klopp clearly likes him, he's probably going to leave anyway at the end of next season. So, you know, if he was playing for Liverpool next year as a third option, I don't think it would be the end of the world. Liverpool probably still need to buy a centre-back, but that could maybe come at the end of next season. But we could be in this position where we're looking back on it, a bit like the midfield, where you're looking at it at the end of the season thinking, yeah, we should have signed players. I think with the midfield, a bit, it was a bit more obvious. But defence, like you said, is now becoming uh, an area that people are talking a bit more about. But, but isn't that the problem, Kiefer, is that, that almost because of they haven't sorted the midfield out for a couple of years, that the problems bottleneck a little bit and you, and you can't get ahead. Rather than wanting to be proactive in the transfer market, you end up being reactive and, and, and not, you know, like Tom says, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool go into the season and before you know it, Matip's injured, Kanate's injured, and um, they're in a situation where they haven't got the centre backs. And you know, I don't, I'm not being doom and gloom there. I just think that the, those players do pick up injuries, and it would have been good to see Liverpool get ahead themselves and, and bring in a younger centre half who can sort of progress and learn this season. 
Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, they need to be proactive instead of reactive. And I hate to always bring up Man City, but they they feel like the benchmark and, you know, they're who Liverpool are going to come up against if they are to be successful again next year. And, you, you know, you even look at it now with, with Kyle Walker and looking like he's going to move on to Bayern Munich. Um, you know, still probably got a little bit left in the tank, but City have definitely had his best days. Going to recoup a fee on him and probably bring in someone, you know, 10 years younger than him, ready to kind of step up in 12, 18 months' time. And, you just kind of flip that on, it, on its head and look at Liverpool and well, Matic will go on a free and they've not recouped anything there. I know he came on a free initially, but you know what I'm trying to say, not you know boosted the kitty. And and then they're kind of, next summer, they're looking at a, a centre-back who would actually probably need to come in, you know, and be a first choice because you look at where Van Dijk will probably be. He's getting a year older um, and, you know, certainly he's you know, edging towards, what, 34, whatever it'll be next summer. So, yeah, it is, from that position, it's a bit annoying and it is very similar to the midfield in terms of, I think we, we, we said two years ago, or certainly when Juan Adam left in 2021, that they needed to go and get someone and they didn't. Maybe they thought because they brought Thiago in the year before and they hadn't lost Juan Adam that it maybe balanced itself out. But the matter of fact, it, it wasn't. And it, and it probably held Liverpool, did help hold Liverpool back last season. I think now, though, the annoying thing was is that it felt with the kind of early moves this summer in the transfer window with McAllister and Sabozlai that they... You know, they almost rectified that and it was a really strong start. They got them both through the door before pre-season and it almost felt like Liverpool had got the necessities and now they could maybe, you know, sprinkle some some uh, something on top of the cake and, and put the cherry on and start looking at a bit of, not luxury players, but start adding the fine prints to the squad and, and players who would make a difference but weren't necessarily like necessities like the, the midfielders were. But now with Fabinho and Henderson going or looking likely to go, it feels like the rug's kind of been pulled from under their feet a little bit and it's back to, you know, being reactive again and, you know, they are going to have to address that. And then the centre-back issues get pushed forward, get pushed back another six or 12 months. And then you probably find yourself in the in the same, you know, uh, predicament next year where, yes, you're sorting your centre-hours, but then there might be other areas of the squad, whether it be a goalkeeper or other areas you mentioned where you've got to, you know, sort that out. So it, it does feel like Liverpool just haven't been able to, you know, get a stride or two in front of themselves this summer, which is really annoying because, you know, as I say, when they got the two lads through the door so early, I was really thinking, well, yeah. they, they brought in, uh, one defender and, and, and one young uh, defensive midfielder like Olavia would have been a really, you know, I probably would have said it's an, an eight, nine out of 10 window, a really big one, a statement window. But now it all of a sudden, would, as I said, two, two and a half weeks out to Stamford Bridge and they haven't got a defensive midfielder and they haven't got a centre-back. And, you know, it kind of undoes the work they've done earlier in the window. So, you know, fingers crossed they can rectify that in the coming weeks. But as I say, I think you hit the nail on the head, Joe, at the top by saying you need to be proactive as opposed to reactive. Yeah, Kiefer, agreed. Thanks very much, lads. Um, we will be back on Friday to preview uh, the trip to Singapore, the match against Bayern Munich, which should be a good one. And um, probably to talk Romeo Lavia, who, see if there's any developments on that in the next few days. And the same goes for Fabinho and Jordan Henderson, who still hasn't completed his move to Saudi Arabia. We expect that to happen in the coming weeks. So be very interesting. We'll see you again on Friday. It's all right. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.